by rattling snake and bullfrogs croak, the singing robin and jackalope. By howling coyote and gator's snout, to the crossroads we dance about. Welcome to Southern Bramble, a podcast of crooked ways. Southern Bramble is a Patreon-supported podcast, so if you want to see Austin and I get extra spicy with special guest hosts, head on over to patreon.com backslash Southern Bramble. If you subscribe, you'll get early access to podcast episodes, recorded video, monthly spell, sigil, or recipe outlines. You'll get to also ask listener questions. And if you join the top tier, you'll be acknowledged at the end of each episode. So please, if you'd like to support us, Check us out on Patreon. I promise you won't regret it. You're listening to Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall, the witch of Southern Light. And I'm Austin Bain X Bramble on Instagram. Marshall, what are you going to be for Halloween? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be um a dumb slut. I feel like that sounds like something I am not on a daily basis. And for Halloween, I want to dress up as something extra special. <laughs> I'm not slutty enough in my real life regularly. Honestly, I know it seems like that's the way I put off into the world, but it's more of a wishful thinking idea. Yeah, and, those um, um, those yeah. booty pics that everyone unfollows you for would oh, fool me, yeah. you slut. I let you dumb slut. I... I dressed up, okay, if you haven't seen them, I dressed up as me and my two friends. Uh, we did the three vaccines and we each our shirt had like cut up t- Target t-shirts that we ironed on the three vaccine logos, uh, Johnson, Johnson, Pfizer, and Moderna. And then we wore these tiny, tiny little running shorts. We ordered them online. They arrived and me and my friend Jarrett have like a huge, we have huge asses. And um, Kevin, uh, kept, it's cute. You know, it's it's cute, um, but it's definitely not. Uh, uh, it doesn't have its own gravitational pull. So when we put on the same running shorts, they were cheeky. They were very cheeky. Mama, I saw like the slit. So running shorts are supposed to be short anyways, right? Right. And they typically have slits on the side for, I don't know, extra movement, I guess. I think it's just an excuse. But yours just, it went up to the waistband. Sure did. Yeah. It wasn't, it was a, it was a, it was a tabard if tabards were shorts. And if you don't know what a tabard is, it's literally what I'm wearing right now. So that's, that's fine. It's, it's just, it just has slits that just come all the way up. There's no stop. It just goes like a hundred people unfollowed me yesterday because I posted that. And I don't know if it, they, if it's, they think, if they think I'm promoting vaccines or they just didn't want to see me be a dumb slut. I don't understand. Like that's what I want to put out into the world. And if you don't want to see it, and you can just unfollow me. <laughs> oh no, I've seen you be a dumb slut. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You so much. I, yeah, I feel seen now. I've seen your hidden OnlyFans. I'm just kidding. Marshall doesn't have one. But now that I said that, I feel like somebody was like, yeah, no, I'm going to go find that. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Good luck. Keep looking. <laughs> Honestly, I've handed out way too many pics. You know what? Let's move on. For free. <laughs> and right, somebody like we, should be paying me. Somebody should so- be paying me for that. Right. I'm I'm turning we're... 35 this year. I I grew up during the time period when you literally had to wait for AOL email to load so you could get one fucking picture of someone. <laughs> and half the time they were just it was catfish. Oh oh at least uh, oh at least for sure. Um, yeah. Should we should we? Should we get to the topic at hand today? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's today's topic? What are we going to discuss today? So we're going to be talking about um, Halloween, everybody. This is our Halloween special. Yay! <laughs> Yay! This is our Halloween special. In case you didn't uh, catch the drift from what are you going to be for Halloween today? <laughs> right. Um Halloween's coming up. It's approaching. We have a couple of different holidays that I think witches celebrate. I think the most dominant one um, is Samhain or Samhain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Samhain. 
Um, that's the character from Trick or Treat, right? That's his name, the demon. Oh yeah, is that what they call him? I love. I, I I've seen that movie so many times. I think so. I think his name is Sam. Sam Hain. Uh, Trick or Treat. That's the one that has like a bunch of like mini stories, right? I don't know. I didn't watch it. Oh well, fuck. <laughs> well, what are you getting the name from? <laughs> I I, ju- I think I just know that. Like I think I just. I see. Know that off the top of my head. I don't know. I'm not good at pop. Have you ever noticed I'm really bad at pop culture? That's okay. I'm I'm um really good at sometimes obscure pop culture, but then there'll be something that's so popular that I just don't know it because it's it's not obscure enough. I don't do that on purpose. I just love little things that I haven't seen before, so I want to see them. She's a quirky girl. Oh, pick me, pick me. So, um, Samhain, I feel like, is kind of the, like the dominant thing that people celebrate, but it, it's confusing because Samhain is a Celtic holiday, kind of, but also like Celtic culture isn't a monolith, and then Wicca's in there somewhere, and now people who don't even practice any form of esoteric tradition talk about Samhain and it's really weird because I'll hear like you know just people on the street being like oh it's a pagan holiday um oh Jesus Ween is the new one that we're celebrating Ween is 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 brand new it's a a movement out of a Canadian evangelical group pushing to bring Jesus into this godless holiday I need the Canadian for all my Canadian friends because I know I have I have a couple of them out there. Mm-hmm. I need, you know, to us Americans, like Canada is the the beacon of of hope if anything ever goes wrong here. Um, so I need you all to get your shit together. <laughs> I actually looked into it. It's really difficult to get citizenship there. I I remember when they were. Um, I, I, I was actually going to move in 2020 to Canada. I was planning to move to, to Toronto and it was like, no, it wasn't going to happen. And I was like, I actually, my, years ago and in my early twenties, I dated a guy from, from Toronto and that was pre, pre-equality marriage. And so I knew if we were going to be together, he couldn't come here because we couldn't get married and he couldn't get citizenship. I would have to go there because that they do accept, they already had equality marriage there and that would be the only way we'd be, we could be together. And obviously that didn't end up working out, <laughs> which is not why I have any better feelings towards Canada whatsoever. Cause I like everything now, but Toronto. <laughs> um, I can't picture you as a Canadian. Oh, eh, no. No, Three. it's just you being in the cold. It's just you being in the cold. I oh, I have that. some amazing winter wear. Same. I have, some, I have Same. some amazing winter wear. I love winter wear, but I have to get through Texas summer because that's where I grew up. So I'm just very accustomed to it. But I mean, do I want to be in bitter cold? No. Do I want to show off my fabulous winter wardrobe? Yes. I um I have lots of of great winter wear too. And um, the the man that I'm in love with who lives in Toronto, Andres, if you're listening to this, even though you won't, um, I just want you to know I love you. (laughs) I'm sure he knows. I'm sure he understood he felt that. I, yeah, I'm sending my love through my Venus talisman that I'm wearing today. That's, it's magic. Um, So let's get into a little bit about Halloween, the history of Halloween, how it connects back to Samhain, all Hallows Eve, Day of the Dead. This is actually a, a, a somewhat of a, of a, there's an overwhelming theme kind of worldwide when it comes to this time of year, wouldn't you say? Well, not yeah. worldwide, because technically below the equator, that would be the opposite. So I was going to stay in the Northern, Northern Hemisphere, hemisphere. <laughs> but that's fine. That's yeah. fine. I think, um, I think these, these things can work simultaneously together. I think it's really cool that I know so many people who live in the southern hemisphere who are like they're like it's spring and i'm like wow um <laughs> that sounded really disinterested but no i think it's really cool that this can operate simultaneously um i feel like especially this time of year this particularly the spirits of the dead <clears throat> were very loud for me also autumn started shifting really early for me here and then it was really hot for basically all of October. And now mm-hmm. it's finally starting to cool down again. False fall. False fall. Yes. It's very um, normal. Especially in the South. 
Yes. But um, can you, can you, I know you know a little bit more about it. Do you even celebrate Samhain, Marshall? So yes and no, because you have to understand, and, and this is one of the things we're going to talk a little bit more when it comes to creating your own personal traditions, which I want to accredit uh, uh, Wild Woman Witchcraft or Temperance Alden on the class I just took. Just, I don't want to give away the class structure, but a couple of things I learned from it. But when it comes to creating a lot of your own traditions, a lot of times, because these major pervasive holidays don't actually sit over where you are located, where they're not where you come from, sometimes we start kind of working them in to our local landscape. So I do celebrate Samhain, but not not in the way I think most people would consider it if you're looking at it at the traditional holiday in say like Ireland or England or or just over in the UK or Europe. Um, you know, there are many times growing up, Halloween was hot. I mean, we couldn't wear over, uh, you know, big costumes and wigs. They just get so hot because it's still so warm. Um, but when it comes to Samhain, I, did, I have done a lot of research on it. Um, one of the books that I really like, of course, I'm going to bring her up again, is Temperance Alden's Year of the Witch, because uh, I like how she discusses some of the histories as well as incorporating them into your, your modern traditions. Um, but, you know, uh, Samhain actually is generally the time period between the harvest moon and the first week of November. Like it's, it's not necessarily always, it's an astrological date, but I like to believe that it's definitely more of a time period with a crescendo, if that makes sense. Um, it comes from the uh, uh, old Irish folk word Sam meaning summer and Fuin as end, uh, summer's end. And actually the etymology of that word is where we get the word November from in Gaelic. That's pretty cool. That is very interesting. I did not know that. I, I do not know that much about um, Samhain. Um, well, actually, is, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say Samhain this year, funny enough. Um, so because we want I wanted to bring this up, Samhain is technically not necessarily just Halloween. It's also not Day of the Dead in, in Mexico. Like, like these are different, these are different holidays, but they are around the same time of year. And a lot of our modern Halloween does come from an evolved version of All Hallows, from an evolved version of Samhain. So these things do have connections, but at the same time, I think it's really important we recognize the separations and honor them as well. We shouldn't just drop what we've grew up with because we, we, we're celebrating, say, if you're new to this, this, this spirituality, if you're new to paganism, if you're new to the wheel of the year, you don't have to drop everything you always grew up with just to pick up these new things. I'm in Texas. I'm not harvesting a lot of shit. And this is supposed to be kind of the final harvest. So um, I might enjoy more harvest foods. This is where gourds come in. This is where uh, spices come in. Um, it's really interesting because when it comes down to the actual high autumn, like Samhain Sabbath, like, like we said earlier, it's an astrological event. It's a cross-quarter celebration. So the time period actually is a very specific date. It's not always October 31st. And uh, this year, it's actually, I believe, Saturday, November 6th. Yeah, I think last year, I believe I saw somebody like celebrating. It was like a good like week or maybe yeah. two weeks after 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 Halloween, um, <clears throat> which was really interesting. There's a book um, from Ronald Hutton. It is called Stations of the Sun. Ronald Hutton, for those of you who aren't sure, is a very well-researched historian, but he particularly speaks a lot on... Um, paganism and as well as like uh witchcraft and kind of like some occultism stuff um so he's he's pretty um he's spoken a lot especially on like witch trials and 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 um paganism so he's a very good uh I don't think he's actually a practicing occultist or anything like no that. He's, he's more of a historian, historian. but his uh, focus is this is the subject matter yeah, and he's he's really, really, he's got some good books. Stations of the Sun is a long one, but it goes through uh, calendrical holidays of, like, mostly the British Isles. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's interesting too to kind of think about how we focus on this holiday in witchcraft now because many of us who do focus it now are kind of looking at it through a Wiccan lens because that's how it was written about in many books from I want to say probably the 70s, 80s, 90s and it's shaped a huge portion of, of the practitioners who are in existence now. So let's, can, do you know much about how, so I know Gardner, um, when he started founding Wicca, no, it wasn't even Gardner, it was somebody after him, wasn't it? I don't, I don't remember, but somehow Samhain kind of got put in there, and it's weird, because the Wheel of the Year is an amalgamation of a couple different, it's a lot of different pagan holidays from, from, from the UK, from uh, uh, Britain, no, sorry, UK is Britain. Oh my gosh, UK from from Europe, and and some from even like uh, Norse areas. Like a lot of these, well, some from the Norse areas have traveled there because of migration and sharing cultures. But these are the, the Wheel of the Year is an amalgamation of of pagan holidays. That's that's the simple truth behind it. Um, and we're of course not going over the entire Wheel of the Year. We're really focusing on this time of year, this like fall festival and, and how we are going to celebrate it. But I do know that back then, the Celts traditionally believed that the year was split into two halves. There was the light half and the dark half of the year. And Samhain was the first day of the opening to the dark half of the year. And that's actually where you get the idea of the thinning of the veil. And I think this is actually a really cool buzzword to talk about. Um, Cause this is something that, you know, everyone talks about, oh, it's Halloween, it's, it's Samhain, it's, it's all Hallows Eve, it's the thinning of the veil. And I think it's really important we kind of address this buzzword because it's true. I mean, it is a time period of in between, that's what thinning of the veil means. And, but sometimes I find people put so much emphasis into that statement they're not giving enough attention to what that actually means. And that just means it's a yearly in-between time period. But I mean, the solstices, winter and uh, uh, summer are also in-between time periods where veils are thin. So is midnight and midday. Any time that is a, an in-between time period technically is a time of the thinning of the veil. Yeah, I find that um, it's strange when when we talk about quote unquote the veil um, mm. and what that means. We're talking about the nearing of the spirit world and like our world, and I I think it really depends on how you view that. I would be very interested to kind of look into the etymology or like even where this phrase comes from thinning of the veil mm -hmm. um because the way that i particularly spirits uh, see spirits in the spirit world is in tandem with ours so it's not separate right so you're right at any point in time and liminal places and in transition times the you know the zenith the nadir and and then like noon and 12 um noon <laughs> noon and 12 noon and midnight um those are all times for liminality as well as like the shifting of the seasons winter to summer i live in florida so it's never winter or it's just always hot um you know so i think there is definitely the ability to be in a quote liminal or, or thinned veil space several at several periods of the day don't worry about it yeah, you're year around <laughs> but i but, but but that you actually brought up a really good point that i wanted to kind of come where this comes from the thinning of the veil uh we're of course translating it from the old ideas in gaelic but what they're talking about is the light half and the dark half of the year and that one space in between. Remember, there's actually two spaces in between, not one. So the other half would be on the other side of the year around like Beltane or Walpurgis Knot. Uh, that's the other time when, of course, as we've talked about witches come together for the big gathering. 
it's the idea of the two halves of the light and the dark, the summer and the winter uh, on each side. So a lot of times that's where that thinning of the veil idea came from, but it is not like, like we've been talking about, it's not solely specifically only a liminal time period on Halloween or Walpershnot. I do think there is a shift in focus, perhaps collectively. I don't know. I'm sure people like differ on this, but like for me, I know that this time of the year, the descent into I, I kind of consider it like the descent into the 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 lower Madness. world or yes always for me babe mm-hmm. um <laughs> descent into the lower world for the northern hemisphere especially during this time of the year I think there is a seasonal shift that does force us or perhaps to be more aware of the stillness that is going on in nature or the shifting of what is going on in nature, the dead, um, ancestry, uh, just lots of things surrounding the dead. I, I think I've shared a little bit on like my own Instagram, like my work. There is never a wrong time to do necromancy. So I'm not saying I only do it during the later half of the year, but like at this period of the year the set of spirits that I work with are very like this is what you're doing for the majority of the next couple months and I'm like cool so there is this like not a not forcing me but there is this like push to you know be in that very like dead space (laughs) very in-between space to be, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, not only is it a time period of reverence to the dead and, and giving attention to the dead, it's also a time that a lot of people will focus on ancestor work. They might uh, do devotions to their ancestors. There's the idea of the dumb supper, where you actually fully cook a massive dinner for uh, your ancestors. And even if you're alone, I actually read about that in Year of the Witch by Temperance Alden. And I started looking into it more and that uh, holding food offerings for your ancestors and and, uh, bereaved uh, loved ones is a pretty popular uh, celebratory ritual that a lot of different traditions will do. That's so interesting. I had to, for a project that I am working on that's still in the works, um, I had to do a little bit of research on dumb suppers. And I think Brendan Weston from Ozark Healing Traditions on their blog, they have a really great um, article on the history of dumb supper. Um, And it's so interesting. I I believe it actually started out... um, as like a form of love divination, right? So you would gather some friends over um, for a dumb supper and you would do everything backwards, I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly. Um, You do everything backwards and you would do it in silence, right? Of course, when you started. And then you would set a plate. Um, I don't think you would eat anything actually, but you would set a plate and in the reflection of the plate, so there's a little bit of scrying going on right and everything's dark and lit by candlelight and in the reflection of the plate you would see your lover your future lover standing behind you um Mm. so and this idea developed and i believe because of course brendan's focus is on um the ozark mountains um and also i think like they might have pulled a little bit from some appalachia stuff because they kind of yeah there's a uh, cross-culture area some, some yeah some crossover there um they had pulled like some some articles and and some interviews um from a folkloric source and it's very interesting it's uh just the history behind it and how people are very scared of of the dumb supper and and things like that so it's very interesting yeah and i i think just honestly having an entire dinner that you that you make serve and some consume, depending on what your depending on what your tradition is, entirely in silence. It carries its own sort of um, 
mystifying aura. There's this idea that to me personally, sometimes silence can be cherished and it can sometimes be deafening. Like the entire idea of a dinner for the dead and silence is a creepy idea kind of. And I think that's one of those really interesting things that you see slightly change throughout the cross-cultural areas. So another tradition that we can talk about during this, I just kind of call it like Hallows Tide, mm-hmm. is um, All Hallows. Tell um, me more about that. So I I didn't grow up Catholic, so I might get some of this wrong. Again, if anybody, um, you know, wants to drag me for it, please do or correct me later um, through a DM, which sometimes people have, and I absolutely love when people do that. So, um, so All Hallows, it's a very interesting holiday because it is a um, it's a requirement technically by the the Catholic Church. Um, there are certain days that the church says like you need to be at mass unless it's like an emergency. Um, and Hallows, uh, All Hallows is is one of those days. So essentially, All Hallows or All Saints, forgive me. Um, there's a difference and I'll get to that in a second. All Saints is, is the veneration of the sanctified dead, um, in the Catholic church. In the Protestant church, All Hallows, um, is a similar tradition. I believe they fall on different days, but they're all kind of close to the same time. Um, All Hallows, or maybe it's All Saints. I'm sorry. I should know this better. Um, I, the, because the, they're so similar in, in the way that we revere them. Plus I have Catholic ancestry on my dad's side and then Protestant ancestry on my mom's side, but I was raised Protestant. They kind of get conflated for me. Um, for the Catholics, of course, we have the, the, or they have the sanctified dead, right? So the exonerated, like you are a martyr of the Catholic church or you are revered in some way because you just, had either an act of service or, or did something to sanctify you, right? So All Saints is going to celebrate the sanctified dead. And this is important because this is a day where all of the saints are venerated as opposed to like a particular feast day. For Protestants, um, Protestants believe that anybody who has died who is baptized in the blood of Christ is a saint, right? So they are removing kind of the, I don't want to say pedestal because I feel like the saints would get mad at me, but like the the exoneration that saints receive, right? They kind of remove that to say, well, anybody's a saint um, because you are just part of the church, right? So if you were baptized in a Protestant church and then you died, you would technically become uh, a saint, but they don't really use saints in the Protestant church. So the focus isn't there, right? But the idea is that it is still a time of um, reverence. It's still a time of being near the dead, um, praying to the dead. And it's a very interesting shift when you start to see the the quote, the old religion, which is Catholicism, not paganism. Um, <laughs> the old religion start to still be celebrated even in these very like Protestant times. I think it was in Owen Davies' book, uh, Stations of the Sun, where they had talked about like Protestants celebrating um, All Hallows' Eve the night before, you know, and still holding these big bonfires and and having these big feasts um, for their ancestors and, and things like that and having a big party and then showing up to, you know, church, uh, Protestant church the next day and you know, just pretending like nothing ever happened. So it's it's a very interesting holiday. I was actually just looking it up so I could because I wanted to. I don't know as much about it, and 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 some of these things are actually starting to pop up a little bit more. So apparently, it is saying that the All Hallows is an older name, or or also it technically is somewhat synonymous with All Saints Day, um, but. All Hallows Eve, it's kind of following up with what you were talking about. It's like the reverence, the uh, 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 showing an, a reverence for the saints and honoring the saints on November 1st was something you had to show up for, but 
All Hallows Eve was recognized specifically as the night of sometimes uh, debauchery or or recognizing a little bit more of like before we focus on the saints tomorrow, let's have a little fun tonight. And the bonfires would go up and they'd kind of focus on all the things they're not supposed to that were a little less godly. Uh, and it right. kind of evolved into the etymology that we slowly got Halloween from. Absolutely. Um, which is particularly the reason why I celebrate Halloween, or sometimes I'll just say All Hallow- all, all Hallows, as opposed to um, Samhain. So especially like, I like that you brought up like doing it the night before, very like do it at night because God's not looking as opposed to, uh, you know, and that that date's going to fall on October 31st, which is where we got Halloween from. And then All Saints or All Hallows falls on November 1st and November 2nd, I believe, um, depending on which one it is. So right. Yeah. Depending on on the time period, uh, uh, especially if it fell on a time period of like a church mass right well i think all i think all saints is the first and then all hollows is this there is still a separation i just don't remember how it goes or which one it is i'm i'm in a weird liminal place because again have both catholic and protestant ancestry and right and no that's true didn't grow up catholic <laughs> Well, I think it's so funny because it reminds me of that line from Hocus Pocus where all Hallows Eve turn night where children run a frolic and run amok. Amok. Amok, 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 amok. amok. I was obsessed with doing that when I was a kid. I was obsessed with Sarah Jessica Parker's character. And that was- Who wasn't? No, that should have been the first indicator that I was going to grow up and be a slut. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I thought you were going to say gay. And that, and <laughs> you that. surprised me. You no, surprised if you were me. obsessed with, if you were obsessed with Hocus Pocus, you are gay now. Yes, you are. That's 100%. 100%. So Scenes how does Pocus make you gay? How do you, is there a difference for you between like celebrating Halloween versus like celebrating like a witchy Halloween or whatever kind of yes. stuff you do. So talk to me about that. So, okay. I think that's a thing to bring up and we're going to get into creating personal traditions here. Cause I think that's really important as a land-based focused, which that's what I am. And I feel like sometimes we fall in these pitfalls where we learn a new tradition, religion, uh, a system of spirituality. And we think we need to just switch everything over to that. And I don't think that's necessarily true. So I grew up watching scary movies well, as a kid, trick-or-treating and getting candy. But like, I grew up getting together with my friends on Halloween, watching scary movies and eating junk food. Like that was my 31st and then as I got older it was let's go out to the bars and dress up and adult costumes like it was always a time of scary movies delicious caloric foods um uh, it's a scary spooky time and the thing is is that's what I made my tradition so for me on Halloween the 31st which is I believe a Sunday I will for sure be probably eating pizza eating candy and watching scary movies that's just that's my tradition um i think when it comes to the time period we can if we want to start actually kind of introducing say a a samhain style traditions into our lifestyles i think we also totally can especially as you can observe it from say it's more of a time of year, less of a singular day, if you'd like to. Um, the time between the the October moon, and, which I believe is the hunter's moon, right? Or the blood moon. And the 1st of November, like that's the entire time period. Or this year, the 6th, if we're going off of astrological dates. Uh, you could start thinking about what this time period actually invokes in you. For me, it's crispness. It's a change in season. It's apples and spices and pumpkins. I love pumpkin spice. I am a basic bitch witch. I love me some pumpkin spice candles. I like the cinnamon, the clove. So for me, I start introducing a lot of those things in the home. I like those woodwick burning candles that like crackle as they burn. So I like to get like the pumpkin spice candles and I like to get the apple cider candles and I like to burn those from the house. So for me, 
it's less ritualistic and more about observing a shift in season. So for Halloween, I got my tradition down pat. I know what I'm going to do. It's not magical. It's not witchy. It's the tradition I grew up with, and it's what I love doing. But when it comes to magic, I might on the actual like 6th of November, which is that cross-quarter date, astrologically, on that date, I might do some magic. That will be the day that I will most likely, I'm, I plan on making my witch's powder, the one that I have been working on and putting together and creating it and blending it in a, in a specific ritual that will then be my magical witch's powder that I'll use in a lot of my spellcraft for probably the next year. And it will be made on this very liminal in between the light half and dark half of the year space. Uh, that will be my probable, my, my big like magical working on that date. I love that. What about you? What about you? Thank you. Um, I, uh, for me, like I said, like Halloween is, is what I celebrate. So it does line up both with my witchcraft practice as well as like the night that I'll spend, I don't know, probably doing lots of debaucherous things with my friends. Um, De Bachari. Yes, De Bachari. Um, I love Italian. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, it, it's a weird time because I, I always want to, I'm always like split, right? Like I'm always like. Well, yeah, you're being debaucherous. <laughs> Gaped, if you will. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is horrible. I'm not going to cut this out. No, don't. No. Um, I want you to hear the word that I, I, I want you to hear that I just said gape. Uh, um, uh. <laughs> so I, uh, I think last year, what did I do? I um, publicly cursed Donald Trump. That was, right. that was uh -huh. a time. Uh -huh. um, that, was a, that was an interesting uh, choice that I made. It, I, I don't think it was a, a bad choice. It's just mm -hmm. also like I was uh, newer to social media and, and to put something so personal as like me work, like actually doing like a working, which I feel very strange about, you know, I don't like mm -hmm. um, showing exactly, I don't mind taking pictures of things like either before or after I do them or mm -hmm. demonstrationally, but I don't ever put the focus on me actually in the working. So that was, that was weird. And then I think I went out and um, got really drunk afterwards. Um, I've done that too. I have, I remember a while ago, I made a video about how to do a hex and then just to have a name to put on the paper. I put Donald Trump's name on there. And the thing is, is I wasn't actually filming a real live hex that I was doing. I was just making a demonstration video. And then that, that video went, not viral, I guess it kind of did. It got a lot of hits and, and people were, it created a lot of, of discourse and discussion about doing public hexes and what that means, whether or not it loses power, whether it, when it's being filmed, whether people know about it. It just, it opens up a lot of discussion, which I find very fascinating. And in the end, I was like, this is just a demonstration. I fucking hate Donald Trump. So I put his name on there. I didn't think it was going to open up this door of, of all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel that it was it was a weird one. I don't think I would ever publicly. I would publicly post the ritual, which you all know I've done. Sure, posting times. a ritual. I mean, that's that's just like publishing one, right? And and so that that I would always make available, but to like film me, like I, my my magic is weird. Even if I write down a ritual, I'm not usually. That's not what happens during it, right? So. Mm -hmm. um, but I always have this this desire to, you know, spend time with friends, do lots of entheogens, uh, fly, uh, you know, have this really like gorgeous, glorious Halloween spectacular event. And and sometimes that does happen. Um, and also like sometimes I just want to go to 
the bathhouse and have a rave and, um, you know, do that. And I don't think that they have to be separate anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like in the past, I've been very split about how to spend a very, for me, Halloween's a very special night in, in terms of like a magical witchcraft practice, right? Um, it is, it is the night where like specific things happen for me. It's very important in what I do. Um, Halloween, Halloween, the 31st of October. The 31st of October, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it, so there's always like this, this, I want to go spend time with my friends and have fun and, and be a slut and, um, and also, <laughs> you know, go be a slut, but with the devil. Um, and I don't think that they have to be separate entities uh, anymore. I, I feel, I used to feel really split about that. And now I don't think that I have to, it just depends on the company that I'm in. So yeah. um, I'm, yeah. and I'm usually actually on the 31st um, nowadays. I'm either usually with a friend or two and none of them are magically inclined. I have no magically inclined friends. So I wouldn't have other people to do this type of stuff with in the first place. So like, that's how our actual October 31st nights would very differ. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I feel the same way. I'm very lucky that this year I will be in San Francisco during Halloween and I will be with my friends who are all magically inclined people and we will be getting up to lots of no good things. I will be, um, I will be spending my uh, November 1st. So I will be spending my, num- my, my morning in mass Um I'm going to church on mass on Monday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be getting up to some, some things. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Can you share more or no? I can't because of legal reasons, but I'll tell you about them after. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I'll bring this up. Did you know that the Catholic Church once upon a time, I just found this out relatively recently, that the Catholic Church sued like a satanic organization because they stole a, a ho- like a, a host wafer and they were going to desecrate it publicly um, because, you know, they're, that's, that's what they're into. Um, and they stole this wafer and because it has been religiously used and blessed and consecrated by the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church had every right to claim ownership over the Eucharist. And so they um, they sued that group and were like, you're going to give us this back. And they actually had to give it back. Um, what if they to just get the like tr- ate it? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think that that would work. Well, technically in the Catholic Church, um, at some point, because it used to not be this way. Uh, the history of desecrating the host is, is very interesting and, and fascinating and it's really strange, but um, eventually like the Catholic church started like putting in this uh, loophole and it was like, oh, if the, if the, if the host leaves the, the confines of this church, it just turns back into a piece of bread. I see. It's it's no longer the body of Christ. Well, I'm just like wondering if the Catholic Church sued the Satanic Temple to return this host, or else, what if they were like, no? You know. So it, it wasn't it wasn't the temple. It wasn't the temple, though. Okay. I don't. Well, yeah, was, no, 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 I'm um, sorry. Not the not the Satanic Temple. I know what you mean. But I mean, just temple like, in general. But if they're like, no, I'm not returning it, and they just ate it, would they be like, <gasps> no? I, mean, I think that I think they would have sued them. I think they absolutely would have sued them. Because it's yeah. still their, it's their religious property. I guess. So. What are they going to sue them for? Like, well, of, well gonna, but they couldn't. They, they ate it. Were they going to poop it out and hand it back? I, I don't know. I just know I that a legal team got involved. Sounds like you have some ideas going on. I, have, well, I'll be in San Francisco. I see. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> we'll, you know what? We'll leave it at that, and that is just fine. <laughs> Well, it's funny because actually uh, that's actually, I mean, may not where it comes from, but like, you know, we've talked about um, the witch's Eucharist from the Black Toad. Uh, There's that concept of the frog holding the Eucharist and the frog representing the devil. And 
the uh, cast out Eucharists that hit the ground, which are of course no longer viable and then the frog eating it. I think it's a funny, it's a very interesting backwards style idea of the convolution of the church and the devil and the witch in the back and like the, the country folk. I think it's, yeah. it's a very interesting story. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd at some point like to break into it a little bit more because it's weird how um, it it's rooted in like anti-Semitism. Really? It is, yeah. So a lot of the, the witch lore. Um, I know some of it, but I didn't know that specifically, that one specifically. The yeah yeah it's it's very it's it's really rooted in like um unfortunately hate against uh jewish people yeah it, mm. and that kind of developed into like black mass lore sabbat you know the the etymology of sabbat and also it just gets very it's very confusing um not confusing it's just very grim grim that's the word for it well, let's talk about another really fun tradition around Halloween that we're all very aware of, and um, that's jack-o'-lanterns. My favorite. Yes, jack-o'-lanterns. Uh, if you don't know what that is, just for someone who might not, someone who might not, it's a it's a hollowed out and carved pumpkin, usually with a type of face, scary or happy. It doesn't. I mean, it's a modern tradition, just some sort of face or artwork in it. Put a candle in it and put it outside of your house. Um, but it started you, as um, turnips, though, didn't yes, it? Yes, yes. You stole the words right out of my mouth, you thief. <laughs> yes, it did. It, it started as turnips. They were um, turnips in Ireland and in Scotland, and they were carved and put a candlelight in them to uh, uh, to ward away evil spirits during the time period where <gasps> the veil was thin. <laughs> when the two worlds were so close that the dead could literally cross over and terrorize the living. And so you put the jack-o'-lantern in front of your house to scare them away. Now, I don't think we have to get into whether or not a simple gourd or turnip with a candle in it would actually scare away a, 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 a ghost, but I don't think that's really the important part. I think it's the actual act of, of folk magic, if that makes sense. I think it can. Well, I, I think, think it's kind so. of like, it's part of that, it's part of a lot of those older like folk traditions where, you know, you, you put the bag of beans by the door and the witch can't cross your entryway till she counts them. I mean, I feel like this is one of those, those like folk superstitions that have just really carried on. And I kind of like that. I love this idea of, of you're not just putting out a jack-o'-lantern to scare away negative spirits, but you're also putting one out there to almost kind of like honor all the spirits that are floating about. It's a slight, uh, you know, we eat the seeds and we consume uh, the vegetable of this time period. And then we even use its carcass in a magical tradition. I mean, that's pretty cool. It's, it's a devotion to the season. Yes, I will. Um, I, I love carving pumpkins. It's like one of my favorite things to do. I don't really dress up for Halloween anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't since I was like a teenager unfortunately that's not by choice it's just because I don't I don't um and I but I I love carving pumpkins and I will typically like around this time of year um I'm really into autumnal food and I love duck. I love roasting duck. I love mm. pumpkins. I love Yum. risotto. Um, this this Halloween season, as I typically make every year, I will be making a pumpkin risotto with roasted duck and duck cracklings, um, or like duck chicharrones, essentially. And uh, you know, you take a pumpkin and you roast it with some seasonings and then you use the flesh of the pumpkin and mix it in with the risotto as well as like a shredded duck and you know you get all the the good bits in there the liver the heart you know all of that and you mix it all up and you serve it in a giant like pumpkin and you put like the duck the duck chicharrones on there the and like cracklins on top the cracklins and then you mm. put the roasted pumpkin seeds on top and it is and and lots of parmesan reggiano and it is so good 
I hope I made you hungry. That does sound good. I actually had the most delicious pumpkin ravioli once. And it was in a, mm. it was like in a brown butter sauce uh, with like seasonings and Parmesan on top as well. It was the most delicious mixture of sweet and savory. Um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I recommend it to anyone. I think a lot of people get really like weirded out because we now we are so obsessed with pumpkin being sweet but mm -hmm. you can use it in both ways it's a very like I love savory flavor. pumpkin well I mean like the pumpkin itself is sweet and then the seeds get you know they salt we salt them and then we put them and we toast them it's the you it really kind of covers all aspects and I love a mixture of sweet and savory together so uh like I love uh like I said, the pumpkin ravioli, or I, we had a uh, pumpkin pasta, and it was almost like they creamed the sauce mm -hmm. and then mixed it. I, I've had pumpkin macaroni before. Oh, it was so good. Delicious with like sour cream. Oh no, with like goat cheese, uh, pumpkin and goat cheese and some like toasted nuts. I love toasted nut. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to make some good <laughs> pumpkin ravioli uh this year as well but we we definitely went on a tangent about food but i also think that the food yes. is important that is you know important I mean? well i mean like we talked about the fact that like my tradition involves candy because that's one of the things that i really grew up with and honestly i think a lot of americans grew up with candy but i literally to this day around this time period start having like these conniptions when I see huge bags of Halloween candy I just start buying them and I put them in my freezer and then I snack on them like crazy which is when my waistline goes up really intensely but um, for the rest of the year for like no just for the month because then that month is over and then we go over into Thanksgiving time period and then my my tastes start changing again um but I I have this thing about it I get into the candy I get into the junk food aspect I love it um I just feel like it's one of those things that when it comes to this time period, I associate, not even big candy, I mean the little candies. Like it has to be a snack size. I'll eat like 30 of them, but they they come in, <laughs> yes, but they come in little snack size things. And then of course, when we get to Thanksgiving again, as the fall progresses into winter, my, my traditions and celebrations are surrounded by food. Well, I think... It is a harvest festival, you know? <laughs> I think um, when we talk about magic and we talk about folk practices, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here. Go for it. Um, you do it. Go for it. You know, I like that. Um, so I think with, um, you know, when we talk about like folk magic and folk practices and, and things like that, and particularly in a witchcraft space, a modern witchcraft space, I think we are so obsessed with the magic and that's that's cool i get it same um that's not like a dig but i think the issue lines up too is that when we talk about folk culture and folk practices there is no there's very little separation between the people the food the medicine the magic the religion all of that kind of intermingles in each other and they are separate, but at the same time, they're all weaved together in this like really beautiful tapestry of, of folk, right? Of folk practices of people's practices. So I think it's really important when we honor these traditions, when we think about magic, you also have to think about the food. You have to think about the season. You have to think about, it, it, it is so embedded in like, the land and the people who live on that, whether they're human or not, you know? Um, so I, yeah, that's my, that's my cute little tangent is that I think when, you know, it's important to talk about the food in a witchcraft podcast. I think it's important to talk about the medicine in, the, in a witchcraft podcast, you know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. I think one of the things that people forget about when, it, when we talk about paganism, um, if, if, if we're gonna bring up a lot of like folk traditions and things like that and, and old world religion, religions, um, which includes Protestantism and Catholicism, when it comes to being a pagan, that doesn't make you a witch. People, I want to say this in the best way possible. Um, pagans were people who most likely did not practice witchcraft and 
majoritively, majoritively. So when we talk about living a pagan lifestyle, that doesn't actually include a ton of witchcraft, maybe some magical charms or healing, healing things every now and again. But we're kind of adding that through a Wiccan lens, because that's what's kind of been that reconstructed into modern day paganism. So if we're going to think about what we're talking about when it comes to folk traditions and 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 the wheel of the year and seasonal shifts and thinning veils, we go we're going back to what we're pulling from to create these reconstructionist uh, uh, systems and sometimes in the act of doing so we accidentally insert modern interpretations into the history as well which weren't there so when we're talking about Samhain when we're talking about Halloween when we're talking about what we do today it's not always exactly what it looked like back then but it was so integrated into everyday life that when we bring it here, we sometimes think about it as separate from our daily lives. And that's not really true. If we're gonna, if we're gonna be living these lifestyles, sometimes the magic really isn't in the mundane, but also the tradition is in the mundane. Do you think the tradition of the type of foods that I put together with my family for Christmas and Thanksgiving is any less magical than the same thing that was being served at the time period back when when other religions and old world uh, 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 folks and communities were doing it? No, we're just we're just doing it how we're doing it now. It's it's a little different. And now we're inserting magic back into it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I fully agree. I think. Um... You know, I don't, I don't get to hang up being a witch when I'm done with it, you know? Right, right. And that, that, that's even less of a, of like a, a personal choice that is, as it is like, that's just part of um, my, my, my deals. Um, well, but I, I was gonna say, it's kind of funny the other night I was making chili, the afternoon I was making chili, right? And as I was making, and I promise this has a point. So no, I was, you know, I was at the oven. I was, I was making, I was browning my meat, and I was putting all the stuff together from this box of chili. And honestly, the box is fine, but I mean, it still doesn't taste right. So here I am. I'm stirring, and you know what I'm doing is I'm stirring with my spoon and my pot, and I'm stirring it up, and I'm stirring it up, and I'm stirring it up. I'm kind of getting in a rhythm, and I'm, I'm just, I start speaking to myself, and I'm like, what flavor does this chili need? What flavor does this chili need? I will know what flavor upon my taste. I'll know the flavor upon my taste, and I'm just really putting my thoughts out what I want and I'm putting it into a rhythm with my stirring and I'm going in a clockwise manner because I'm invoking into the chili what I want it to tell me and then I'll take a taste and I'm like this needs salt this needs salt this needs sweet this needs sweet this also needs some onion and I'll go over to my pantry and I'll start spicing the way I think I need it I'll add it and as I'm sprinkling it I'll say this will sweeten this will bind this will give me what a taste I want or a desire it doesn't rhyme it doesn't sound super pretty but I'm saying it with my desire at a beat that I'm actually going it's almost like I'm hitting a, a spoken poetry beat and then I'm stirring and then I'm stirring and I'm getting into this like kitchen witch witchery rhythm and I'm speaking with this chili and it's telling me what it wants to, to make me flavor and as I'm getting there I'm getting to the point where I add the final ingredient I taste it and I'm like that's it that's the one and then I continue to stir and I say thank you and I put the top on it and I let it simmer until it's done and am I making magic fucking chili? No, but I'm allowing my everyday magical skills and animistic communications that I believe in as, a, as an animist, as a folk witch, I'm allowing that to help me in my more mundane actions. I, I'm making chili, you know? <laughs> it's really similar to the way that like, I don't know, maybe maybe you're a grammar, grandmother or maybe, you know, somebody would like, you know, pray over some food. Just, yes, you know, while she was cooking it, not for Absolutely. any reason other than sometimes you just feel like you need to pray over the food, you know what I mean? And this is a big time period for, I feel like most people don't think of summer and think of a lot of foods, at least not where I live in the South. Like the, the fall is in winter is for foods. Everyone's talking about spices and pumpkins and Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners and candy and all these different things. My birthday is also in December. So like 
dinners out because there's usually a family and a friend's dinner. These are the things that shape this time of year for me. So a lot of times when I'm cooking, as I'm stirring, I will get into a rhythmic session where as I'm stirring, I'm saying my intention and I'm going in a specific counterclockwise way. But I have not done this to anyone, but if anyone feels they are in the position where it is necessary, you could stir that spoon counterclockwise and you could put some intentions let's just say less than kind into a batch of cookie dough or into a, a nice lemon square and then gift it to someone who maybe needs a dose of some of their own medicine. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying there are ways in which that stirring spoon can go both directions. This road goes both ways. Right? Bihexual. Mm, I love that. Sorry, just a way, gonna... just just a way to throw a little food magic into the season. No, I literally know somebody who like um, they they're amazing and they literally are an amazing baker and all of that. And sometimes the things that they come up with, like like literally, like I serve that bitch some some of the meanest like tea that I've ever given somebody before I don't know it's it's fascinating <laughs> to listen to the way that they incorporate like definitely they definitely do like a lot of like blessings and beautiful things like that but also like how much fucking cursing they do in their food is mm -hmm. is just it's brilliant and I love it and I love them for it well I think that's about all we have to cover today do you have any recommendations for further resources our listeners can find Mm, Stations of the Sun by Ronald Hutton. It doesn't cover specifically Halloween, but it does cover um, a lot of the, the celebrations, feast days and things like that that we celebrate today. Um, I'm just going to like shamelessly plug A Broom at Midnight 13 Gates of Witchcraft by Spirit Flight from Roger J. Horn. It's his new work. And um, I've heard so many good things about it. Maybe I shouldn't plug it because I haven't read it yet, but I just know it's good because of how many people <laughs> who like, who I trust who have read it and they're like, no, this book is amazing. So, and I really like Roger Horn. I really liked um, Folk Witch or Folk Witchcraft um, that he published a while ago. By the time that I had read it, it was, it's a very like good beginner book for folk magic excuse me, for folk witchcraft. And I like recommend it for anybody who decides that they want to get on a folk witchcraft uh, path. Um, so this, because this, this book will hopefully um, give me some really interesting results come October 31st. What about you? Um, first off, if you want to get a little bit into some of the history of Halloween, uh, there is a book called Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween by Lisa Morton. Um, it's, it's a very, it's, it's a winner of the Bram Stoker Award. So if you can actually get into some deep history about Halloween and its origins, if you want to learn more. Uh, two books that I really like, uh, one of them I've mentioned was Temperance Alden's Year of the Witch. Um, I really liked it because it goes through the entire wheel of the year, the history of some of these uh, pagan holidays, the amalgamation of them into becoming one, how some of them are almost totally out of place when it comes to Mabon. Uh, but I really like, I really like learning from Temperance how the importance of recognizing that so many of these holidays are geo they're, they're, they're like, a, a, what's the word? Geobiographically. That's not right. Ge geography based. They're basically geography based. They're based off of where you are in the world at the time. Bioregional. Bioregional. <laughs> Fuck. I literally have a whole episode on bioregionalism. No, that's fine. I was like, <laughs> what is that word? What is that I'm word? Like, I use yeah. that word all the time. Yeah, so they're bio they're bioregional. So a lot of times these harvest festivals are not actually happening around a time period when when you over in and Florida or me over in Texas would be harvesting. Um, but we can kind of take a lot of their traditions and incorporate them into our bioregionalist practices. Uh, another book uh, is Seasons of a Magical Life, a pagan, laugh, a, a, a pagan 
Path of Living by H. Byron Ballard. Uh, this is also by Wiser Books. And this is someone who actually really, really lives a hand-to-mouth pagan lifestyle. So it's pretty cool. As you all know, of course, uh, our podcast is Patreon supported, and I want to thank our top tier supporters on Patreon. Um, I want to thank Mandy. I want to thank Aditi. I want to take thank Timothy, the Witch of Elfame, Pamela, Nicolette, the Lady Ghost, Seashaw, Key Archambald, and of course, Anastasia Beaverhausen. Oh, and and um, for Key, who's listening, um, because they sent me a correction to their last name, um, which I don't know why I didn't recognize that it wasn't French when I read it, but it's Archim- Archimbeau. Um, Archimbeau. Yeah, because it's it's French, you know. Of course really it is. Get that, get that good throat in there. So get that throat in there. <laughs> so yeah, happy Halloween to everybody, and thank you again for the for the support. You've been listening to. Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall, the Witch of Southern Light. And I'm Austin Bain X Bramble on Instagram. And I hope you have a very happy, safe Halloween. Be be good, be bad. I don't really care. Just be, you know, safe to yourself and somewhat courteous to others. Um, And yeah, have fun doing whatever it is you do. Be nasty and be spooky. And in the words of Elvira, unpleasant dreams.